0: Today's Market Call is presented by FactSet, financial data and analytics powered by tomorrow. What up, people? It's Swizzle here. It's 1 o'clock on the East Coast, 12, 11, 10 o'clock on the West Coast. Dan Nathan, busy meetings today. So I got the great Carter Braxton Worth uh, joining me. How are you, Carter? I'm good. How are you? I'm well. So, you yeah. know, I want to start right off the bat. You know, we, we read all our comments and, in full disclosure, Amanda took the comment section away from me because I was getting too um, animated, which is probably fine. It's better for my blood pressure. But Mandeep Singh, want to shout out to Carter on McDonald's chart a few weeks ago. Great call. Maybe we throw a McDonald's chart up real quick. But well done, Carter. And again, Your great calls clearly outweigh the ones that are sort of sketchy at times. This was one of the good ones. And here's McDonald's. And look at that. You know, we traded up to the moving average, seemingly failed. We've been in this downtrend now since I want to say, you know, middle of the summer or so. It should find support at those levels we saw back in February, March, to a certain extent, early April. And then we'll have another conversation, but real quick, McDonald's here. Sure.
1: Well, first uh, men deep sing. Uh, we don't know one other, but um, uh, listen, uh, thank you. you could, one could have sent a, a message saying shout out to Carter for the last three losers. Thanks a lot, buddy. Meaning, listen, you're kind to remember a good one. We all have our duds, but that's the nature of investing. It is exactly not a new right. work. Um, in any event, Um what to do. I mean, things are, one could say oversold here, right? Uh, things uh, one could say, do you put it this way? Would you press a short here? I would say no. I guess I'd re- retain a short, uh, but reduce it.
0: Yeah. And I think that's probably going to be true in the broader market. Doug Cass has sent me some messages talking about, you know, in the short term market seems to be a bit oversold mm-hmm. here in terms of a lot of indicators. And that's probably true. But again, You know, that means we could sort of stall, maybe have one of these bounces. But I do think the trend has been broken. Uh, And let's take a look at sort of your first slide, because you're using the word uninspired. And it's interesting, a few Bruce Springsteen fans out there, um, that job you got leaves you so uninspired. I think that's from Jersey Girl, but I digress. But uninspiring. And I think you're using this to sort of um, talk about some of the markets.
1: Yeah, so uh, the, what, what, what this is uh, referring to, and we might have a chart here, it, it's talking about or a data table. It's talking about just the, the, the concept that the market mm-hmm. is not as good as it would appear. And this table really is what those words are for, dour, uninspiring, remarkable. The, the general known fact, right? It's nobody's opinion. It's not analysis. It's just a known fact that equities globally peaked on 4 January 2022. And then we had this important sell-off, and generally speaking, or to be factual, most indices bottomed in October 13th or 14th, almost a year ago. Mm -hmm. And you could see that here in the Russell 3000, and one could say, so clearly a down period, a bear market, and then this is clearly an up period, almost a year in the making. But this is the problem, right? The index is up, and you can see there, it's up, you know, call it 14, 15 percent from those uh, closing prices of the 13th of October, but the index, and this is just the same story being said a different way, the you call it breath or whatever you want to refer to. The index performance is one thing, but the index, right? The parts compose the whole, the whole comprises the parts and the parts are tell a different tale. So the performance of all 3000 stocks, the average performance is not up 14, 15, it's up six, seven. And then the median performance, of course, because average is always, Nvidia's skewing those numbers. The median stock of all 3,000, the median stock has made no gains. Worse, half the stocks in the entire, right, the basically entire investable universe are below where they were. So this begs the question, have we bounced? I mean, one could say this is all academic. The total value of the Russell 3000 market cap is what matters, and equities are up 14 15% from where they were a year ago. The value, this is true. But we have a team that's sick. You have a team that's being carried by a few Babe Ruths and a few LeBron James, mm-hmm. uh, a few stars. And at some point, uh,
0: that matters. And Think, think of- about that. I mean, but think about that for a second. Half the stocks, I mean, 1474, right. I'll round up. Half the stocks, and if you put that back up, Are actually lower you know in an index that has bounced clearly since that october low that october 13th low half of the stocks are actually lower which begs the question what the hell is dragging it up and effectively like the broader market like the s p like all the things we talk about it's legit a handful or 10 to 12 different names and that i think is concerning yes it's academic but yes should be concerning just as much now the bulls will say, well, wait a second. I mean, think about how well we've done with the market, you know, with half the stocks not participating. If these stocks start to turn, things are going to be great. Yes, that's an argument you can make. Flip side is these stocks are lower for a reason, Carter.
1: Well, that is right. So uh, there are stocks like Peloton or Zoom that are down 30 40% uh, from their October lows. And so I want to say those come to life. But when you have run-ups like those and then collapses like those, Those two in particular, you don't, you've kind of found a new level where you start to exist for a long period of time. They don't get those valuations, those dream valuations again, typically. (laughs) Or if they do, it takes years, like a dot com kind of phenomenon. And so the risk, of course, and at some point we talk about rates maybe, but I mean, the risk, of Mm -hmm. course, is that people have great gains and they're worried, wait a minute, every day Apple slips a little more and slips a little more. They're like, wait a minute, I should book that. I better grab that doesn't take much for the ones that have been great winners to see, um, you know, distribution as money comes out.
0: And it's an important, listen, Russell 3000. I mean, listen, it's an, why is it important? Because it's obviously 3000 stocks. So if you want a sort of an, you know, an all-encompassing index, that's the one. We have a question. Matrix of Compassion is here every single day. So obviously, thank you. There are a lot of people like that. And we thank everybody. His question, and Stephen, if you could pull up an S&P chart. Carter, you've said that the bottom of the <laughs> SPX is upward channels on your radar, about 4,200. We are close. Would you wait for a bounce with up volume? Do you expect a bounce? And right. if you so, throw a chart up, we'll take a look.
1: Yeah, there's a very well-defined, we're at the 150, slightly below. We're almost, um, matrix of compassion is referring to uh, the uptrend line, in effect, since those intraday October lows. It's a very well-defined line. We're not quite there. Um, My hunch would be at that point, and I think we will get there, right, to start to reduce short exposure. We'll be down about 8% plus or minus from the high. But still, the bias remains that we have lower to go. So it's all about sizing. This is a substantial sell-off, and were we to dip a bit further, we will be at the line that Matrix of Compassion is referring to. And so that would be a reduce, right, the shorts, as opposed to where it's been full short here, press it, go for it. I would say cut back a bit while retaining shorts generally.
0: You mentioned yields. Let's take a look. You brought a chart. Obviously, everybody now is talking about, excuse me, 10-year yields pushing up against 4.6%. Um, what are your thoughts here? No lines, no judgments. And I'd love to have a conversation. You brought, I think, with you five charts in terms of the treasuries. Let's look at them.
1: Right, so they're identical, and that's the nature of you know kind of a reveal. So this there are no lines here. Let's put some in. So, and we can toggle. Let's take them off, put them back, take it off. So. One could say, yeah, well, you just love painting with crayons, and that's, you know, you you, like, uh, this is absurd, it's all, but I didn't make those lines fit, you see, those are mathematically parallel lines, and to my eye, um, you're at a pretty important juncture. Now, if we look at the next one, these arrows annotate just how important, we're slightly above that line today, ever so slightly, but my thinking is, is this is about where it's getting very crowded, just like the dollar move is getting crowded, um, and so forth, so Next iteration, it's that high, right? Do we, mm-hmm. do we check back to that high? And so final chart here, I think we do. I think we'll, we'll start to see uh, people stepping into buying uh, 10-year uh, bonds at TLT, if you want to use an equity proxy, uh, or said differently, uh, it's extreme here, right? You're getting everyone on one side and we know what happens. Just think about it. Everyone was on one side. Oil's at 65, we're going to recession. Now guess what? Oil's going to 120. It's always that way. Sequencing, mm-hmm. you know, dollars collapsing. Now, oh, dollar's the darling. And so it's, it's ever this way. Bitcoin will never go down. Oh, that didn't happen. Tesla's going up forever. Oops, whoops, it's now drops 40, 50%. When you get extreme readings, they're hard to time, uh, sometimes impossible, but it's usually right to take the other side. And we're getting uh, fairly extreme here.
0: Now, I agree with you. So now I'm in accord with you in terms of your chart and in terms of your way of thinking. But let's walk through this. What are going to make yields go lower from here? So here's what I suggest. And again, I don't know if it necessarily matters, but it's. A, I think it's a good exercise to go through. What I've said for a while is I did, I was one of the people that thought yields would go higher. That's one thing I've actually gotten right over the last couple of years. So good for me, I guess. But So here we are. But part of that sort of, My hypothesis was yields would go higher, which would crack the broader market. If the broader market were to sell off in a meaningful way, and I don't think what we've seen, by the way, is all that meaningful yet, but if you'd have sort of a broader market sell-off that captures everybody's attention, the way yields go lower is a flight to quality in the form of the treasury market. You know, this perceived flight to safety in the TLT, which would make, obviously, the TLT bounce, and if we could put up the TLT chart. So maybe you get a bounce back, sort of that breakdown level of 95 or thereabouts. And a bounce in the TLT obviously means yields go lower. But under my set of circumstances, the impetus for that to happen would be for a market sell-off. Am, am I onto something here or am I reading too much into this?
1: No, that's right. There there are these uh, relationships, sometimes um, inverse and sometimes uh, in sync, if you will. But the um, uh, the issue is, On a sequencing basis, again, there's nothing to do with one's long-term view of the economy or GDP or the Fed or how many more, when do they ease, how many more hikes. It's just that when you start to get extreme day-to-day, week-over-week, there are people who use oscillators to try to figure this out. Some people like DeMarc, some people like Bollinger Bands or RSI or MACD, it goes on and on. But there is a principle to it all, just regardless of which tool one chooses or likes, that you're you're getting to the point where everyone's in agreement, and usually that's about the time where you want to start to pivot. And we have this: we have we have oil uh, quite extreme here. We have the dollar. Oh, look at oil. I mean, how many times people say, "Well, you know, the oil can't uh, oil can't go up if the dollar's going up." Oh, really? I mean, you know, it's it, it, happening right, you know, yeah. mean, right before our eyes. right before our eyes. it's it's not it's not as easy as that. But when you do get these not extreme day to day, that's meaningless. When you have an intermediate move two to three, two to four, two to five months where you're unrelenting up or unrelenting down, you you typically will get a counter trend move.
0: I agree with you. And we have a question. This is a very, they're all good questions. So Dave Sharma says, when you say TLT is a proxy for 10-year yields, please explain. Well, the TLT obviously is a 20-year. Uh, it's a 20-year ETF. I get it. So you say, well, why are you using the 20-year when you're talking about 10 years? It's close it's close enough, I guess is my point. I mean they do sort of they mirror each other to a large extent. so that's why I use the TLT. I'm sure there are other instruments that other people use that's fine, but the TLT is what I use Carter and it's a fair question I would have said I would have, I would uh, put out there at CBW.
1: Yeah for sure look, it's an equity proxy for those who don't have a futures account trading in Chicago. Um, right? Buying and selling the bond futures. I mean, one of the issues that uh, certain, uh, in, you know, sort of large portfolio managers are our side, we talking, they're like, hey, listen, why would you be buying bonds here, Carter, when you can get even higher yield from shorter duration, mm-hmm. right? Which is true, right? Why commit capital uh, for a 10-year basis when you can get over five, five, two, five, three from 90-day paper to year paper? Um, that is, an, if one has the dexterity and the ability, um, but if you're running very, very large money and, and they, you want to, people who do believe a recession is coming and do believe these will be attractive yields, that's what it, the, the case is for booking. Well,
0: well, you know, it's it's interesting you say that, and that's a conversation that I've had with a lot of people. They say, all right, you're basically, if you were to buy a bond here, you're locking yourself into a return depending on what the duration is you're locking yourself into that return which i totally understand the other side of that equation is let's say you buy the tlt here at 88 and eighty-eight thirty-five, wherever it is i think that's where it's currently trading if that were to move to that 95 or 96 level that i mentioned earlier that's almost an eight and a half percent move so you're not trading it you're not buying it for the return you're buying it for the appreciation of the asset, which is entirely different. Now, listen, we can have a conversation about you know portfolios and how you build a portfolio and those types of things. But in terms of the trade, you're buying TLT here, not for the yield, but for the asset appreciation. Does that make sense?
1: Sure, well, it depends. If you're a fixed income manager, uh, part of a big endowment or pension plan, you, you're not so much for the trade, or right? what we're talking about. That's for, hey, we're trying to, have a, a rate of return for mm-hmm. this asset, this large uh, $30 billion asset that uh, has a certain sleeve that's dedicated to the treasury market, and then we have all durations, but this starts to become desirable at these levels so far. But but the here and now, which is what trading is, right, and what charts are, and what the study of, of price action is, one is just has to make a judgment, um, mm-hmm. buy or sell. and and. Look, a lot of people say, no, TLT is going to crash from here, right? So this will be an epic thing, just the way orange juice is making all-time highs, and so is live cattle, and so is sugar. And cocoa, well, guess what? This is a a real inflationary problem. It's going to be stagflation. And look, oil's even going up despite the dollar strength. That shows how serious it is. And the last thing you want to do is be buying bonds here, because we're going to 7%. And Jamie Dimon just told you so. Okay, but we'll see.
0: That's, that's exactly Here and now That's, buy, that's exactly right. from
1: the buyer for a trade.
0: And it's easy to talk about these things, you know, after the fact, but you know, we try to do it ahead of time and in real time. Um let's I love when you bring ratio charts and you brought some fun ones with you. And I think a lot of it hinges on everybody's all American for you fans out there of uh, Dennis Quaid Apple.
1: Yeah, I mean the irony of Apple, right, is that it is, you know, it's, it's the king of, of equities. There's no stock that's created this much value for this many people. Um, if you go back to IBM, the Watsons, when it was the most valuable company in the world, the family controlled it, uh, or General Electric, Apple is uh, sin qua non, right? Um, and here's the thing, it's been a terrible pick and no one wants to sort of get their mind around that. Apple is underperform IBM, IBM, Last year, Apple's underperform Intel. Intel? Apple's underperform Cisco. I mean, older, sleepier, sort of mature growth or no growth companies. Apple's relative performance peaked a year ago today. And it is underperforming almost every 20 billion dollar plus tech company. Um, I, I just now like I want
0: to now want to stop you there, okay? Because the facts speak for them. There's no denying this, as you say all the time, this is just math, so you can't. Denied the math. Now, what people will say is, well, wait a second, Carter, I've owned Apple forever and I'm so happy with it. And it's been a great. And yeah, I I totally get we're not. That's not what you're talking about here. You're talking about the relative performance and in this case, underperformance to the broader sector. And it's worth pointing out. Now, listen, If Apple's the only stock you've owned. You've done very well. But in retrospect, and I think your point is, you actually could have done better in other places. Nobody wants to hear that, but the reality is that is the truth.
1: Right. It's a little bit of a mind bend. One could say, but I'm up, you know, 17% for the past year in my Apple. That's really good. It, but if everyone else at the barbecue is up 30, you know, you you, you picked a bad one, right? Uh, you know, look, uh, you pick this athlete. Look, he's doing it, but everybody else has got better stats. I mean, it just, it is what it is now it's also, looking at that chart, and it's important if we go back to it, it's also who you are, what your timeframe is. Guy's mm-hmm. referring to, of course, someone who's owned it for years. But what about someone, for instance, who bought it for the first time? Every day there's new capital being committed on the behalf of individuals for themselves or portfolios who added to their Apple position a year ago. Now, one could say, yeah, but how many people? Well, for to the instance today, it's already traded 7 billion in value. So a lot of money is being bought right now committed to Apple. Well, guess what a year ago, same thing. So that 7 billion on that particular day or those weeks adding up to a hundred billion or two, that money might be up, but it literally underperformed IBM. And so what, hap- what that means is one can be fine in the barbecue and say, hey, I still made money, maybe other people made more, but that doesn't fly when you're a professional running a portfolio mm-hmm. dedicated tech. So if your benchmark is the tech sector and you are overweight Apple for the last year, they tap you on the shoulder and say, you know what? We're going to have to turn the portfolio over to someone else. You have underperformed substantially.
0: Which Thank is amazing. Know. So let's look at all the – you brought a bunch of these charts. And, again, it, we can talk about it. That's fine. But when you see it, it tells – again, visuals always help. So let's run through them.
1: So just the two on Apple, we can toggle. first The peak and then the trend line. Peak trend line. So we've broken trend here a bit. Um I just think it works, Laura. But we have some absolute charts also on Apple. And uh, the, the thing, uh, so no one's opinion, a heck of an uptrend, right? And yet, ironically, underperforming as it's doing it. Then the first heavy volume drop in gap, then the second heavy volume drop in gap. So a clear trend, a clear break in trend, and not just a break, but on drops and gaps, which is typically news. Let's draw the lines a different way. We can toggle. So, you know, it's what the eye sees. I mean, that. That's fair. Is that fair? Well, guess what? This chart is from a report to clients two days ago. Mm-hmm. Apple's already breached that, um, that horizontal line, the green line. It's already down where that red arrow is. Um, I think it goes lower. Final chart on Apple, that's more generous. That's saying, well, it hasn't really broken trend. Well, guess what? Again, this is a chart from from early in the week, uh, uh, worth turning client chart. It's already breached the 150-day. I just don't think... Um, I think you want my Apple.
0: So let's talk about Apple. I mean, again, I know the fundamentals. Look, first of all, for people out there, Carter understands these fundamentals. He did this on that side of the equation for many years. So he understands this as well as anybody that gets paid to understand it. Number one, he has chosen to look at the technicals and he's done extraordinarily well with that. With that said, he understands these things. So let's put up an Apple chart. Maybe if we could put up sort of a 10-year or so Apple chart just to take a look at this thing. And obviously the the buy it, don't tr- own it, don't trade it mantra has been out there for quite some time. But if we were to look at this chart, you know, over the last few years, what you will see is a company that recently made its all-time high, I want to say, I don't know, a month and a half or two so months ago-ish. That's great. However, along the way, and I'll go back to, I don't know, 2018 or so, we have seen at least five, if not seven, 25 to 40% peak to trough declines. And you can see them right there. I'm not making this up. So right. here's a stock that definitely goes higher over time. With that said, it's been a stock that actually goes down as well. And That's right. we're in the midst of one right now. So for again, it's easy to say, own it, don't trade it. I understand that. And when it's making an all-time high, that looks absolutely brilliant. Of course, the other side of that rainbow, the other side of that mountain is, this is a stock that goes down as well. And before you say anything, I just want to point out, in this environment, this is an expensive stock. I don't care what anybody tells me. This is mid single digits EPS growth, mid single digits revenue growth. Actually, the last three quarters have not been particularly good. Margins seem to be stalling, trading at close to 30 times next year's numbers. That's not cheap. The, ir- the irony of Apple, of course, is, when it was a growth stock, it traded at a value stock valuation. And now that it is effectively a value stock, maybe it's trading at a growth stock valuation. So something's got to give. And if the Chinese decide they want to shadow ban Apple, which they could do like this, that's a 15% move in the blink of an eye, back to you. Yes.
1: And speaking of the long-term chart, I mean, and and to Guy's point about value or growth or expensive, not expensive, this is an all data chart at least, uh, our data services. And and I want to now annotate it. Take a look at this next. So look at this. If you stock split adjusted, it IPO'd at $22 a share December 12th, 1982. And it went sideways effectively from April Mm -hmm. of 83 to April of 2003, basically 20 cents. Now that's split adjusted, of course. Right. And then, so for 20 years, it's compounded annual return is zero. 20%. And then for the last 20 years, from literally April of uh, 03 to April of this year, it's it compounded at almost 40%. So the question is, right, that's nifty. Does anyone possibly think that it's going to compound at the rate it's compounded? The answer is no, it, it's not. And and so now one can say, but that has nothing to do with charts. Talk about the sequence. We just looked at the short term charts, it's breaking down. Um, Let's do a few more long-term while we're on this. Now, take a look. That trend line is at risk. That's the trend line since the 03 low. Draw the lines another way. There's the internal trend line. Put some arrows on that. And the question is, do we breach? Yeah, let's toggle that. Red arrow. So do we breach that line? That's my hunch. Final chart, to Guy's point, this is Mm -hmm. the drawdown experience. So there have been a total of 12. 20% plus sell-offs. Now that's starting from an all-time high. You always have sell-offs on on intermediate periods, but from an all-time high, from which a sell-off occurred that was 20% or greater, they're annotated right there on the screen. The average decline 51, the median 43, and we just experienced the one of 31, um, 32. Uh, The question is, working here, do you really want to remain overweight Apple? I just, I don't see the thesis.
0: Numbers speak for themselves. XLV versus XLP. Again, the ratio charts are. I love them. And these are two things. I mean, you know, you say, wait a second, how do you p- figure this out? Well, you know what? Why not? You look at a lot of things, and and sometimes things make no sense. Sometimes things are meaningless. Other times things stick out. Well, this is one of them.
1: Yeah. So these are two defensive areas of the market, right? Obviously, we know healthcare uh, less defensive because it has. of biotech in it. Whereas consumer staples is truly defensive, right? Uh, The old expression, soap and cereal. We have 200-year-old companies that have been making soap like Procter & Gamble and Colgate, as well as uh, biscuits and uh, things like General Mills and Campbell's Soup, literally. So this is simply the ratio of one defensive area versus the other, and we get a relative strength line. There are no annotations, let's put some in. So that's, you could say, well, okay, that's just because you made that fit, but watch this. Let's go, Let's go three years. Let's go five years. Let's go ten years. We're now. Let's go all data. Or okay. So now the question is: What you see here is that healthcare's relative performance, the staples, peaked in the dot-com era, which would make sense, right? Because healthcare had uh, growth elements. Merck was a big growth company then, right? Uh, Pfizer,
0: Genentech. Not, I mean, there are right. all kinds of crazy, yes, absolutely crazy
1: stuff. Whereas staples are are never growth, and so. Um, Let's look at this chart another way, draw, let's look at it another way. The question is, do we or don't we break out? Does healthcare from here outperform consumer staples? So let's keep going with the iterations. Look at this symmetry. So 11 years and basically, you know, 40 weeks, healthcare underperforms. And now over the past 11 years and 50 Mm -hmm. weeks, healthcare has outperformed. Um, so one could say, yeah, that means healthcare is about to do with the next 11 years of underperformance. I don't think so. I think the way to draw the lines, next chart, uh, showing this, the next one, um, is ultimately the breakout here, final chart. You can draw the lines different ways. Let's toggle those last two. It's what the eye sees. That's what my eye sees. One could say what I see card is a double top and healthcare is going to collapse relative to staples because the bear market will get worse. Staples will be more defensive than healthcare. We'll see.
0: Love your work. I mean, it is, I mean, think about how many, remember when that picture of Bill Clinton and Monica Lewinsky popped up, she was sort of on a line and he and Ian gave her a hug on that. Think about how many thousands of pictures somebody had to go through in order to find that one picture of those two people together, seemingly at a random, a lot. You found the picture like, oh, this is a. Why do I bring that up? Because think about all the charts and all the iterations Carter has to go through to come up with these gems. It's a lot of freaking work. I mean, it might look simplistic when you see it po- laid out for you, but the work to get to this point is astronomical. And I, I get it. By the way, I totally get it. Anyway, CBW sort of maybe. Uh,
1: no, I, I'm humble. Thank you. It, 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 well, well it's a true. Great, I mean, it's t- great things take work, as we all know. So I try to work hard at it.
0: Before we uh, 5,000, we got a question about Nike. And I will say this. If you watch Fast Money, you know, for a while now, Tim Seymour, and, you know, I've been right with him, it thought Nike was going to sort of roll. And here we are right now. I will tell you that the low in Nike was, I think, 83 or so dollars, 82 and change back in, se- basically this time last year, September of last year. So if we can look at a Nike chart real quick into earnings, I mean, obviously it hasn't traded particularly well. Personally, I don't think you'd do anything here. If I'm trying to trade Nike, I'm waiting for that that recent low of last year to be sort of uh, a, sort of attacked or visited, and then maybe we'll have a conversation. But right here, to me, it's no man's land.
1: It's pretty. I mean, it's pretty unrelenting to the downside, which is ominous in a way. No bids. Um, horrible to say, but perhaps the final shoe to drop. Maybe one more really bad uh swoon and then it's over. But uh, I just would not risk getting long or being long here.
0: Badass. Badass. And that is the highest praise from me. There are no higher compliments than that. And CBW, you are exactly that. I'm leaving a little early today because I got a jackass into the city. Uh we're talking to Ed Yard Denny for the podcast, which oh. drops every Friday. That should be interesting giving everything that's going on. Uh, I want to thank FactSet Financial Data and Analytics Powered by Tomorrow. The audience, great questions. I do appreciate it. Amanda, Jacob, Timmy, Stephen, um, Amanda, everybody back at headquarters. And I want to thank you, Carter Worth. We will see you tomorrow with EY from SoFi. And if it's Thursday, it ain't margarine, it's butters, bitch. We'll see you tomorrow.
1: See ya.